The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC, and here is your top five at five investors brushing off a potential bond market warning sign for now. But as Wall Street's recent win streak run out, futures, they're lower. Will there be peace? Talks between Ukraine and Russia moving forward. This is Moscow scales back military operations near Kyiv and other major cities. Big news from a pair of high-profile, outspoken investors as one looks to shake up the way he does business while the other is breaking out an old playbook. What one major developer has planned for Sin City that could turn it into the athletic mecca of the West? Later, how's your city doing in the stock market? We're breaking out the Power City indexes once again show you who's on top to crack open an Iron City lager. Well, maybe later tonight, of course. It is Wednesday, March 30th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and as always, welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Thank you very much for being with us here. Let's hit your Wednesday money. Stock futures, they are not following through on recent gains They are slightly lower across the board. Those are bonds, by the way. Stock futures, they are slightly lower across the board. Stocks did keep their rally going on Tuesday. Tech stocks bounced nearly 2%. The NASDAQ, by the way, has now jumped an incredible 16% from its March 14th intraday low. Think about that. 16% in just two weeks. Wow. All this despite the attention over the near inversion of the two and 10-year Treasury bonds. There we go. Treasury bonds, by the way. Some outlets reporting that there was an inversion between the yield on the 2 and the yield on the 10. But according to TradeWeb, they basically had the same yield, if not slightly lower. So maybe not the inversion everyone's talking about, but still getting really doggone close and potentially another bond market warning sign. Right now, by the way, the 10 years at 2.37, the 2-year a little bit lower. So no inversion, at least right now. But keep in mind, even if they ultimately do invert, it doesn't necessarily mean a recession is coming. Because real yields, the ones that factor in inflation, not just those numbers we're showing you on your screen, real yields are not inverted. There's a big difference between real and nominal. Just keep that in mind. Let's also get a check on oil. It is bouncing back higher just a bit. Crude rose a bit on Tuesday, oil really moving in lockstep with any news on China's continued COVID lockdowns, and we are seeing crude oil tick higher up now about just under 3 bucks to $107 a barrel. Well, speaking of energy, there is big news breaking out of Germany, where they may have to start rationing natural gas on payment issues with Russia. Let's hit those headlines and European markets. Juliana Tatelbaum is in London. Juliana. 
Brian, good morning. Well, there's certainly a huge amount of focus on this story this morning and more broadly how Europe's gas dependence on Russia for oil and gas will impact the economy moving forward. This piece of news out this morning, Germany has activated an emergency law, an early warning that it could be heading for a gas supply emergency, calling on consumers and companies to reduce consumption. And just this morning, we heard from Germany's Council of Economic Advisors. They have cut their growth forecast for Germany's substantially for 2022 and said that the risk of recession is substantial in Germany. Now forecasting 1.8% growth from the, for this year, down from 4.6% previously. At the same time, inflation continues to run high. So a lot of concern right now in Europe around that impact of higher inflation and lower growth and what that will mean for the economy moving forward. As for markets, we are seeing um, red for the most part. The German market down about 1.3%. The French market down nine-tenths of a percent. Yesterday was a strong session for Europe with German and French markets outperforming, so perhaps a bit of profit-taking right now. FTSE 100 holding up a bit better, up about six basis points or so. We are seeing some better performance in oil and gas and basic resources. So from a sector perspective, this is the split. The FTSE 100 here in the UK over-indexed to basic resources and oil and gas. Hopefully we can get the sectors up here for you. There we go. Basic resources and oil and gas, the outperformers. On the downside, we are seeing um, the more cyclical parts of the market under perform retail, travel and leisure, autos and banks um, on the downside this morning. So uh, for the most part, Brian, it is a negative start to trade here in Europe. Yeah, and we're seeing Dutch gas futures, by the way, on the spot market rise about 15 percent as well on that news. Still remaining very, very high. Juliana Tadamam, thank you very much. All right. Now let's get a check on some of this morning's other top headlines, including Carl Icahn and Bill Ackman back in the news but for separate reasons. Silvana Hanau is here with that and more. Good morning, good morning, Silvana. Hey, Brian, good morning. Yes, so we'll start with China, though, because it is planning new limits on its $30 billion live streaming sector. The move is part of Beijing's largest regulatory campaign to clamp down on big tech and control the content its young people consume. According to the country's tax regulator, live streamers will be required to report their identities, income, and profits every six months adding it will take a closer look at illegal and criminal tax-related acts in the industry. The Wall Street Journal says regulators could also be drafting rules that would cap tipping on live stream platforms and tighten content censorship. Carl Icahn is expanding his animal welfare campaign to the country's largest supermarket chain, Kroger, and has already nominated two new candidates to its board, according to the company. Kroger says it first heard from Icahn Friday when during the discussion the investor voiced his concern over animal welfare when it comes to pork production. Icahn is also taking issue with Kroger CEO Rodney McMullen's pay package, calling the wage gap between him and other employees at the company egregious. And billionaire hedge fund manager Bill Ackman says he is abandoning his use of aggressive activist campaigns to publicly shame company boards to bring about change and boost stock prices. Instead, in an annual report to investors, Ackman says he plans to be less vocal, instead opting to buy large blocks of publicly traded companies and working behind the scenes to enact change, Brian. Yeah, quite the change for for Mr. Ackman, who's been very vocal about some market views while having market positions. Exactly. We'll see if others follow suit. Thank you very much. Okay. Savannah, thanks.
All right, now let's get to your markets. And CNBC's Delivering Alpha quarterly stock report is out. They poll mutual funds, hedge funds, strategists, and CNBC contributors about their strategies for the upcoming quarter and year. We asked about the market impact of Russia's war against Ukraine and whether investors think the uncertainty will change the Fed's planned rate hikes roadmap. The majority said the war will likely not impact the Fed's policy very much. In the meantime, about another third of investors think it will force the Fed to actually raise rates faster, while 19% said it will likely force the Fed to slow down their plans. Let's bring in now Bill Stone, Chief Investment Officer at the Glenview Trust Company. Uh, Bill, thank you very much for joining us. Maybe you were polled. I don't know. How would you, how did you answer that kind of poll? What do you think? You know, I think you talked about it earlier in terms of the yield curve being very close to inverting. As you mentioned, there's a lot of complications with it right now in terms of real versus nominal yields. But I still think you need to position yourself ready for what may be an eventual recession. And while I would say that is, I think you focus on quality companies, which is really companies with high returns on equity and also lower debt levels. That really gets you through some sort of an economic slowdown. Again, you you have some time because typically you're talking something like 12 to 18 months after the inversion that you actually have a recession. Um, and usually the, the market doesn't top out until six months to a year after the inversion. So there's probably some yeah. time here. Uh, but that being said, I think it is wise to, because you never know, right? I mean, it, it can happen quicker, it can not happen at all. Um, but either way, you're in good shape with quality companies. You're making a very important point, which is for investors out there who are watching that, you know, close to inversion, pseudo inversion, whatever you want to call it, or even just feel like there may be a recession coming for other reasons. Stocks can rise even into a recession, maybe not during, but to your point, Bill, that the next six to 12 months, if we get a recession next year, stocks can still go up between now and then. And if you sell now, you may be leaving some money on the table. Yeah. And if it's a, I'll say a generic recession, not connected to some sort of a bubble or a, you know, financial crisis, you're talking, it could be 20% off the peak, 25%. That's kind of where you might see it. Uh, again, not pleasant, but you know, we weren't that far from that not long ago this year, you know? So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, not good to necessarily run away, but you do want to make sure you're in companies that can survive a recession. I think that's the key. And like who? Can you give us one example before we let you go on this fine Wednesday morning, Bill? Yeah, you know, I think Starbucks, something that sold off in the growth wave. But again, it's not going to go anywhere. They could pass along price increases. Uh, you know, there's obviously worries about their Chinese growth. But again, once China reopens, I think that growth will pick up, too. Bill Stone, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you very much for getting up early for us. We, and I love the Rodney Dangerfield gifts that you send out on the Twitter. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, we are just getting going on this Wednesday morning. And when we come back, your big money movers, including by one pandemic e-commerce winner, is getting absolutely no love from investors this morning. There's your mystery chart. It's ugly. I'll show you the name. Could the NBA be coming to Las Vegas? What one developer is doing now in Sin City, Contessa Brewer is here with that. 
Later on, much more in the ongoing Ukraine-Russia peace talks as the world waits with hope. A live report from that region ahead. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispie, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, time now for some big money movers. Three key stock stories that are happening right now. Stock number one is Lululemon. Shares are higher after beating the street on earnings. That's a rare direct-to-consumer retail winner when it comes to navigating supply chain and Omicron issues. Lulu reported sales up 23% year-over-year. Same-store sales jumped 32%, and it's bored, giving the green light to a new $1 billion stock buyback program. Stock two is RH, the company formerly known as Restoration Hardware. It's going the other way. It is down. That after a mixed earnings report that saw sales come in below estimates, Company also announcing a three-for-one stock split that will take place this spring. And stock three, that was our mystery chart. That is Chewy, the pet food supply company sinking in the pre-market. It completely missed the mark on nearly every metric for its most recent quarter. Earnings? There were none. It reported a loss of nearly $64 million compared to a profit of $21 million almost a year ago and almost double the $36 million loss that analysts were expecting Revenue for the quarter also coming up short of estimates, and sales guidance for the current quarter also lower than expected. That stock is down double digits. By the way, the losses can be tied to shrinking margins, rising expenses like labor, and investments in new initiatives. A tough day for Chewy investors, despite the cuteness of those dogs. All right, still on deck. Contessa Brewer is here with why the NBA may be ready to come to Las Vegas, plus... Another blow for Bitcoin? Hackers pulling off one of the largest crypto heists ever. We'll tell you about it straight ahead. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispie, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, welcome or welcome back. Las Vegas has quickly become one of the hottest new sports cities in the world as leagues flock to Sin City 
One of the largest arena developers is announcing a big new project. Contessa Brewer joining us now with a special guest on this news. Contessa, good morning. Brian, it's good to see you. So Las Vegas has attracted an NHL team, a NFL team, uh, and potentially an MLB team. There's a lot of talk about the Oakland A's and whether Las Vegas could be their next home. Could it also attract an NBA team? Oakview Group CEO Tim Lewicki, who is behind the new climate change arena in Seattle, joins me this morning. And you have a big announcement, Tim, for Las Vegas. Do you want to talk about it? Good morning, everybody. How are you? Good. We're good. So uh, we are we just acquired 25 acres of land on Las Vegas Boulevard and uh, the 15 highway. Uh, That's the main corridor that brings everybody in from Southern California. And our intention is to build a entertainment district that will include a brand new arena, a hotel, a casino and a theater. And uh, the arena will be world class. We're prepared to spend about a billion dollars on building the new arena. It will be for music. It'll be for sports. It'll be for cultural activities. Uh, And should the NBA decide to come? And by the way, there's no certainty or no guarantees that the NBA is ever coming to Vegas. But should they come, we certainly will be NBA ready and uh, uh, make sure that we hit all of their standards. But the city leaders who have been behind the move to attract more sports to Las Vegas have been drooling over the idea of having an NBA franchise in Las Vegas, in the destination. So so what are your chances, do you think, of getting a franchise, one? And two, can this arena stand alone? Can it be successful if you don't get an NBA team? Well, I'd actually reverse that. I think it has to stand alone because there's no guarantees the NBA is coming. They've made it very clear this is not a priority today, nor should we expect that it will be a priority anytime in the near future. They have other things that they're trying to resolve. So we understand that. This is similar to what we did with Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle before we were able to get the 32nd franchise in the NHL with David Bonderman and the Seattle Kraken. So this can make sense on its own two feet. We have to be very driven by music. We have to make sure that we're looking at other sporting events like the UFC or boxing or wrestling. We have to go out and try to find every big event today that's not in Las Vegas and bring it to to Las Vegas. Las Vegas is the entertainment capital. And so what we have to build is the best ever built for Las Vegas. I've heard that strategy called, if you build it, they will come. Here's my question, though. So- We saw uh, leisure travelers driving Las Vegas to record profits last year. That was without a return to full group business. The conferences simply weren't there as they had been because of the pandemic. And without a return of international travelers, that likely will change this year. Is there lots of room for other competition in Las Vegas or is the city beginning to be overbuilt? Well, right now there's five arenas in Las Vegas and the newest one is T-Mobile. They've done a phenomenal job, and we're a big fan of MGM and uh, Bill Foley, who owns the Las Vegas Knights. But there is still quite a bit of programming that's going to some of the other arenas that are very old. And so we do think a brand new arena, uh, when built like our, we're building 12 arenas around the country today and around the world. Our two most successful arenas are Moody Center in Austin and then the Co-op Arena in Mm -hmm. Manchester will open next year. Those don't have anchor tenants. And so similar to the strategy with Moody Center and with Co-op Live, 
We believe that this building will be extremely effective and competitive based on music, based on sporting events. So it's not built for the NBA in mind unless the NBA makes a decision to come eventually to Las Vegas. There's Again, there's no guarantees that's going to happen. But should they make a decision to look at Las Vegas, does a billion-dollar right. brand new ultimately help make that decision? Probably so. Tim Lewicki, it's good to talk to you this morning. Thank you for breaking the news right here on CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. We appreciate your time. And, you know, Brian, I, I wanted to mention, you know, the resort, the casino as well. They don't have all of the licenses and the, and the permits ready to go there. But it's not just going to be the arena that's the draw. This is on land that is um, just around the uh, 215 and the um, 15 coming out near the airport there. So really close to the airport, close to Mandalay Bay, where that lot of land is. I got two questions for you, Contessa. Are you ready? Number one, I'm prepared. can everybody confirm Las Vegas is going to have the water? We just need to make sure Las Vegas has the water. And number two, are we hosting Worldwide Exchange at 2 in the morning from Vegas? Obviously not getting up, just staying up from the groundbreaking. You know, I think that we should probably just plan on opening a Vegas bureau. There has been so much development. There is so much business interest and not just in gaming and entertainment. Nevada is booming, as you know, in areas outside of what has traditionally been their stronghold, that leisure travel. The water is a big issue. It's something that I just talked about with board member on Wind Resorts, Pat Mulroy, who used to be on the water board in southern Nevada. It's of dire concern. How do you keep doing it? And one thing that you're seeing is a lot of these big casino resorts are leading on the use of water and how efficiently they are recycling the water that that, that comes in. It's a big deal. It's of utmost concern to the folks who live there. It, 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 is, a, it is a big deal. I was being serious on this, but I will say this, Contessa. I'm all in favor of the Vegas Bureau, but it has to open after my Houston Bureau. Once we get the Houston Bureau up and running, then... <laughs> We'll talk about the, the the Vegas, both, by the way, I'm, warm I'm, and with very I'm willing favorable to follow tax your lead. rates. Right. And, and I follow your lead, Contessa Brewer. Tessa, thank you. All right, as we head to break, your morning RBI on the hottest cities in America for the stock market. Did your city make the list? Plus, no Zelda for you. Why Nintendo shares are falling some gamers are going to be disappointed. Stick around. Stock shaking off fears over troubling signs brewing in the bond market. Futures do signal a pause of the market's recent win streak. We'll bring you more in a moment. Investors finding some hope in renewed peace talks between Russia and Ukraine, with Moscow pledging to reduce attacks on one key city. This is Russia. China promised stronger cooperation on difficult international conditions. We have global team coverage on the latest. And your morning RBI on what cities are doing the best when it comes to the stock market. It is the return of the power city indexes and one metropolitan area stealing, stealing the spotlight. That's a big tease. It is Wednesday, March 30th. And this is Worldwide Exchange. All right, welcome or welcome back and good Wednesday morning, everybody. I am Brian Sullivan. It is exactly 528 and a balmy 31 degrees in New York City. Merry Christmas, everybody. 
Thankfully, it's supposed to warm up tomorrow by about 20 degrees to the mid-60s, and hopefully spring has finally sprung. It literally snowed the other day. All of you in Florida are laughing at us right now. I get it. All right, in the meantime, let's hit your Wednesday money and yesterday's market move not following through this morning. Futures, they are down across the board. Not a lot. Maybe one to two-tenths of one percent. Dow futures off 75. One stock we want to highlight is a little company called Tesla. And as we have said many times on this show, many on Wall Street will tell you that Tesla is not an important part of the stock market. It is the stock market because, as we have said, there are so many hedge fund strategies, Delta One, synthetic derivatives, whatever, tied to its stock and options, that as it goes, so will tech. And look at this. As the Nasdaq has surged 16% in two weeks, Tesla has trounced that. It is up 41% since its March low. So look at that chart, folks. Tesla in white, Nasdaq in, I don't know, what is that? Sienna? Burnt orange? Either way, as Tesla goes, so goes the stock market. So if you want to know where the Nasdaq is going, maybe just watch Tesla. You learn a lot here on Worldwide Exchange. All right, let's check oil and gas. Both are higher right now. We've got some major breaking news, by the way, from Germany. That country declaring a, quote, early warning that it could soon be facing a natural gas emergency and it may have to start rationing natural gas. That on a payment dispute with Russia, which wants to be paid in Russian rubles, not euros or dollars. Natural gas spot futures in Europe up 15 percent on that news to 123.80 per euro per megawatt hour due to the conversion. It's about 33 U.S. dollars per MBTU. We're paying five and a half. Imagine the utility bills that are hitting and coming in Germany right now. All right, now to the very latest on Ukraine. The Russian military claiming it has drastically reduced its activity in locations near the capital of Kiev. This after peace talks between the two countries in Turkey. But just a short time ago, the governor of Chernihiv saying that Russia spent the whole night striking that city. And there has not been any let up in Russian attacks at all. All this coming as Russia agrees to widen cooperation with China this morning on what Moscow calls difficult international conditions, end quote. It's according to state media. Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov meeting with his Chinese counterpart as part of a multinational meeting on Afghanistan. NBC's Gabe Gutierrez joining us now with, from Lviv, Ukraine, with more. Yunus Yun joining us on the CBC Newsline from Beijing. Gabe, let us begin with you. Uh, hi there, Brian. Good morning. Well, first, uh, I want to tell you that air raid sirens are going off here in Lviv once again. They went off about a half hour ago, so this one might be the all-clear, so you'll hear them in the background as I'm speaking. But I can tell you that both here in Ukraine and across the world, Russia's concessions during those peace talks yesterday in Turkey are being greeted with widespread skepticism. As you said, Ukrainian leaders saying that attacks continue, even though Russia said that it was drastically reducing its military action in the capital, Kiev, and the northern city of Chernihiv. But other cities to the east, for example, Kharkiv, and also to the south, Mariupol, still see a huge bombardment in Mariupol. Local officials say that more than 160,000 residents are still in that region uh, and they are desperately trying to get out and that the Russian shelling continues. 
Military analysts are looking at this and wondering whether these concessions by Russia, this pulling back of resources in and around the capital, might just be a repositioning and essentially a trap for Ukrainian officials. But so, although these uh, talks are a glimmer of hope, there appears to be no end in sight to this war, Brian. Well, Gabe, I, I don't know if you can hear us given the air raid sirens. First off, um, I hope you're safe. I mean, get off the air if that's a thing. But I do want to ask you, is this a normal occurrence? You didn't seem rattled by it. Is the air raid siren kind of a, a regular thing? Or does that mean there is the likelihood of, of an imminent attack? Because if that's the case, let's end this conversation. Well, Brian, uh, I can't tell you this uh, has become a way of life in Lviv. We've been hearing them uh, on and off, really, especially in the last several days. There are about five or six, I would say, uh, perhaps each day. Some come in the middle of the night, some come during the day. We have seen a f- or heard a few more of them each day uh, since the uh, airstrikes that happened over the weekend while President Biden was in neighboring Poland. Uh, but for the most part, here in western Ukraine, in Lviv, they've just become background noise, uh, for better or for worse. And we see people walking around downtown Lviv, uh, each and every day, uh, despite these air raid sirens. Although, um, if our security team does tell us uh, to go, uh, there is a bomb shelter nearby. But again, uh, as of now, this seems to be the all clear, Brian. All right. Well, let's hope so. And please, uh, everybody, be careful there. Gabe Gutierrez in Lviv with the air raid sirens rolling. Gabe, thank you. All right. Let's turn now to Yunus Yun for more on that emergency meeting between Russia's Sergei Lavrov and his counterpart in China today. Uh, Eunice, thank you. What are the two sides saying about their relationship as Putin's war in Ukraine drags on? What is the relationship? Well, they both are saying that the relationship is as tight as ever. Um, The Russian foreign minister, as you had mentioned, Sergei Lavrov, has arrived in China. This is his first visit here since Moscow started its attack of Ukraine. Um, He's in China to take part in two meetings on a separate issue on Afghanistan, one with countries that border Afghanistan and another one that includes the special envoy from the U.S. But today, uh, the minister met with his Chinese counterpart. Uh, Russia's news agency Interfax has said that the two sides agreed to widen their cooperation, uh, such as coordinating foreign policy and speaking with one voice, on global affairs. This is despite what Lavrov had described as difficult international conditions. On the China side, uh, they have yet to release details of the meeting, saying that those details are going to be released in a timely manner. The foreign ministry, though, repeated what we've heard many times before, uh, that there is no upper limit to China-Russian cooperation, um, a phrase that we've heard before when uh, President Xi Jinping and uh, President Putin had met um, ahead of the Beijing Olympics. And uh, again, um, underscores, uh, Brian, uh, this very close relationship that China continues to forge with Russia. Can, Can I ask you, Eunice, and I know there's obviously a lot of state control over the media there, part of these broadcasts, maybe this one right now frequently gets blacked out if you're watching in a hotel in Shanghai would just go dark sometimes. Uh, What's the media reporting about the war? Is there media reporting about the war in Ukraine? And if so, what's the angle? Well, there definitely is reporting about the um, situation in Ukraine. Uh, People don't necessarily use the word war or they don't use uh, the word invasion. Um, It's mainly a special military operation or a conflict in the Ukraine. Um, Because again, as we've talked about before, China uh, makes great efforts uh, not to condemn Russia's attack on Ukraine and also to present 
the uh, present itself as as a neutral party, uh, namely as we discussed before, to maintain ties to Europe and the United States. Uh, one interesting point I thought in Chinese state media today was that they were pointing out the fact that China is hosting this meeting on Afghanistan. Um, there, this one meeting includes Russia and the United States, and so China has been marketing that as. Uh, um, uh, as just as another sign that China is very capable, um, in China's own perspective, of mediating what they describe as heated issues. You know, we sit here in, in America where we've got complete freedom of speech and freedom of the press, and the fact that you're saying you don't read the word war or things like invasion uh, really does say a lot. Eunice Yoon on the news line. Eunice, thank you very much. Don't use the word war or invasion. I'm not sure what else, what other words you might use. All right, now to crypto, because as Bitcoin has been rising, crypto thefts are also on the rise, including one of the biggest crypto heists of all time. Let's get more on that and some other big headlines with Silvana now back with us. Silvana. Hey, Ryan. Yeah. yeah, so listen to this. Sky Mavis, a crypto startup that operates the game Axie Infinity, says it had $500 million worth of the digital assets stolen by hackers. The company says the thieves accessed a part of the network, which the game runs on, and stole the cryptos. Sky Mavis says while users are now unable to withdraw or deposit funds to its network, it is committed to ensuring that all of the funds are recovered or reimbursed. Several energy industry executives are planning to skip a House hearing examining soaring energy prices. The chairman of the Natural Resources Committee says Devon Energy, EOG Resources and Occidental Petroleum have declined to attend the April 5th hearing. Devon Energy says it plans to attend a different House hearing looking at some of the same issues. And the United Auto Workers leader says he has not held talks with Elon Musk about holding a unionization vote at Tesla's California plant, despite Musk's invitation to do so. Raymond Curry says the UAW was aware of Musk's invitation via a tweet, but there has been no follow-up from Tesla. And Brian, Musk not exactly helping hopes for that vote, accusing the UAW yesterday of stealing money from its members on Twitter. You know, some of those oil and gas companies that are declining the hearing, maybe it's because they don't actually produce gasoline. Some of those companies don't refine or sell gas. The hearings on gasoline prices, but they're probably like, well, we don't make or sell gasoline. So there you go. But they are attending the other one with similar issues. You got it, Brian. The other one with similar issues, getting grilled by Congress all while at the same time. Congress wondering why they're not producing more oil. Anyway, all right, one big stock to watch today is Micron. Shares are higher, earnings top estimates, but overall the stock's been under pressure in recent weeks. Investors continue to focus on things like supply chain bottlenecks, of course, and the semi-sector as a whole. Shares of Micron are about 12 bucks higher to start the year, but we care about where it's going, not where it's been. Joining us now is Mehdi Hosseini. He is Senior Equity Research Analyst at Susquehanna Financial Medi, good to have you back on the program. What was your takeaway on the quarter and how big can the data center business get? Is there some kind of critical mass or law of large numbers Micron and others may soon hit? Brian, thanks for having me on the program. Obviously, data center and enterprise as a whole are uh, very strong. It's offsetting some marginal weakness in a consumer notebook and and also China handset. Uh, we do believe that 
cloud investment, data center investment is going to peak in the second half. So perhaps there is another two or three quarters of runway. Uh, and I do expect that 2023 to be a digestion for cloud investment. Are you recommending the stock to your clients and investors? Is this a buy? And if so, why? Yes, it is a buy because in the, in the near term, there is an upward revision to estimates. Valuation is not outrageous. And also, we had some pricing correction exiting 21 and early 22. Uh, prices were down in December and down in early uh, this year. And uh, looking forward, there is an easier compare when it comes to prices, which will positively impact gross margin for the next couple of quarters. And that's what uh, drives our positive rating. What is the risk to, to your price target and to Micron's outlook, if you had to point to the biggest risk right now, Mehdi? Right. Obviously, as I highlighted, the digestion among a cloud service provider is a, is a top-line risk. But remind you that the memory industry as a whole is also going through some structural changes. If Micron and the peer group, especially the Korean competitors, are able to adjust or lower their capacity looking into 2023, then they would be able to manage the downsiders to margin and therefore the earning risk would be minimized. So it's more of an execution on the cost and ability to turn or reduce the investment looking to 23 that would uh, help them manage uh, the downside risk. Yeah. Mehdi Hosseini on Micron likes the stock with a 125 target. Mehdi, we appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Coming up, call it the Led Zeppelin moment, a communication breakdown. Dom Chu is here revealing the sector taking home the title of worst performing, despite the big name stocks within it. Futures, they're down just a touch. Oil's up. And we're back right after this. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Dominic Chu with this month's Sectornomics Check. Now, over the past 12 months, communication services is the worst performing sector in the entire S&P, basically flat during that 12-month span. And parts of that weakness could come from its concentration in just a handful of stocks. The folks over at YCharts, a market data and analysis firm, took a look at one of the ETFs that tracks the sector, the Spider uh, Communication Services ticker XLC. They found that just seven of the 24 companies in the index make up more than two thirds of the weighting in its total holdings. Those seven stocks are Silicon Valley giants, Alphabet and Meta platforms, as well as telecom conglomerates Verizon and AT&T, CNBC parent company Comcast, and then video game publisher Activision Blizzard. Now, if we look at the performance of those holdings over the past year, only two of them have outperformed the broader sector overall. Alphabet is the big winner here, up roughly 40 percent in just the last year. And in a distant second place is T-Mobile, just about 3 percent upside there. That's still better than the overall index and ETF, but still trailing the old overall S&P 500. But again, the real story of the sector's underperformance is in its laggards, for sure. The two worst performers in the past year are Meta Platforms, the Facebook parent company, and also AT&T, both down around 22% or so in that span. Activision is down 15%, while Comcast and Verizon are both down around 13% or so. So with the sector being so heavily weighted by less than a third of its total members, 
No surprise that the weakness over the past year has also fueled the underperformance of the overall sector. By the way, the only other sector that is as concentrated as this one, the energy sector. Keep it right here. Worldwide Exchange is back after this. All right, welcome back. Where are you putting your money to work in these markets? A simple question we asked investors part of our Delivering Alpha Investor Survey. Here's what they said. 30% saying they were parking their money in stocks, paying high dividends. Another 26% saying financials. 21% betting on big cap tech. Kind of a small number, a little surprising there. 13% favor smaller high growth tech stocks. And an even smaller group is parking the money in things like agricultural names, ESG targeted funds, and consumer staples. A reminder, you can get more insights for the Delivering Alpha newsletter by just using your phone to hit the QR code on your screen right now. I mean, right now. We're giving you no time. There it is. Do it. Time for your morning RBI. And today's most random but interesting thing is about how well your city is doing in the stock market. That's right. Narrowing down the markets by area and companies that are based there. Well, how do we know? Because longtime CNBC viewers will know we built these things called the Power City Indexes. Different indexes that we built made up of the 12 biggest market cap companies in 39 different cities and metro areas around America. All equal rated, really kind of just made for fun, but a good way to see what areas are doing well or not. So let's start with the bad before the good, right? The three worst performing city indexes over the past 12 months, so April 1st of last year to now, San Francisco, down 6% in the past. Twilio, Twitter, Uber, they've had a tough, tough 12 months dragging it down. Miami is down 7%, slammed by rough seas for the cruise line investors. All the cruise lines are based there. And the worst market over 12 months, Columbus, Ohio, down 8%, hurt by big drops in shares of Scott's miracle Grow. Alliance Data Systems, and Vertive. But now to the good, the best of the 39 Power City Indexes. The third best, Raleigh, up 21% year-over-year, helped by Cornerstone Building Brands, which is up 87%. Number two is Houston, up 34%. No surprise there, by the way. The oil and gas companies powering that market higher. And by the way, on a year-to-date basis, Houston is way ahead of everybody else, at least for now. But the best city for the stock market in the past 12 months, we gave you all the hints. It's Pittsburgh, rocking to a 36% jump of its 12 biggest market cap companies on average. You can thank all these companies. Alcoa, up 188% in a year. EQT, up 81%. U.S. Steel, up 60%. Wesco and Dick Sporting Goods have also outperformed. So congratulations, all you Yinzers out there. Be proud of the Steel City. It's been a big 12 months for you in stocks. So if you own one of those stocks, I don't know, go to Pepe's or Promonte Brothers and celebrate a bit. And we're going to keep you updated, of course, on how these exclusive Power City indexes do as the year counts down random of Pittsburgh. All right, let's dive more into this with our dear friend, John Nigerian co-founder of Market Rebellion and a CNBC contributor. Got a lot to talk about in a short time to do it, John. Uh, I sent you that RBI last night, and you say there has been some options action in some of the cruise lines. Yeah, uh, not terribly surprising, Brian, because uh, when I looked at the actual numbers, like you said, the reason Miami's down is, my gosh, 436,000 people used to work in that industry. Now it's under 200,000. So obviously that's not just hurt those stocks. It's impacted uh, 
materially the environment, all the places those people would spend money. Um, but they are coming back, and they're betting pretty big on RCL, um, Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines. Uh, that one really seeing the most upside uh, of the cruisers. But uh, CCL, all of these are making comebacks, and it's just a question of, uh, you know, when we look at this six months from now, these stocks might be driving Miami and some of those places much higher uh, and certainly out of that ranking that you had today. So there is some optimism there around the cruise lines. Yes, sir. Very much so. And then Pittsburgh. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you talked about Alcoa. And obviously, you know, things going on with the war have certainly helped uh, because uh, Russia is such a large producer of uh, what goes into becoming smelted aluminum and so forth. But EQT, um, Houston with that oil and natural gas, well, this is the biggest EQT. And so not surprising, they're still betting on more upside out of it. They're buying the 80 calls all the way up to the 85s and 90s out till June, Brian. So they're looking for more upside out of EQT for sure in the nat gas space. Yep. Yeah, and we had EQT CEO Toby Rice, by the way, on on Worldwide Exchange earlier this week. They are the biggest natural gas producer in the United States, but not in Texas. They are based right there in Pittsburgh. Uh, John, you guys do such a great job Mm -hmm. at Market Rebellion with options and sort of looking at market signals. Thanks for on that. Are you seeing anything on the macro market side giving us any direction or any clue about the way things are going to go overall on a macro level? Well, we've seen volatility, which you and I talk about all the time, come down so dramatically. I mean, uh, you know, the 8th or 9th of March, it was up 30 uh, at 37. It's now touched 21 yesterday. So um, that's a pretty steep drop in volatility, and it's right on a moving average right now, Brian. So um, if if it holds down here at this, you know, way much lower level, uh, that's going to be interesting going forward uh, because there was a lot of folks that were betting on, uh, you know, this conflict not, and they're certainly putting their money where their mouth is with the bets that the broader market uh, impact has faded pretty considerably. I'm shocked, John, that the VIX is under 20. I mean, honestly, with everything else going on, it just kind of blows my mind. What do you think is the reason for that? Just optimism about hopefully a a quick end to this war? Yeah, uh, clearly that's it, um, that it it certainly looks like uh, the opportunity, the door is open for Mr. Putin, and he is likely to step through it, is what market participants are saying, much more likely to step through that door rather than continuing this conflict. Uh, And that would be good for just about everything. But you and I know that doesn't mean sanctions go away with the snap of a finger. So I would still be, you know, watching those stocks in energy, fertilizer, food, because they're going to be higher for a longer. Yep. And that's maybe the reason that oil prices are higher right now, John, is that to get very clear, the end of the war, which hopefully is very soon, does not mean the end of sanctions. John Nigerian, Market Rebellion. Yep. John, a pleasure. Thank you very much, my friend. Take care. All right, some bullish buying, by the way. The cruise lines, watch those cruises. All right, by the way, stock futures, they are down just a touch. Oil prices, they're up a touch. That does it for us here today. We'll see you again tomorrow. Squawk of the gang, picking it all up next. Have a great day, wherever you may be in. Go Pittsburgh.
You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.